What up, world? Past first point guard and trailblazer reporter Mike Richmond. We're listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts, and now also on YouTube. If you're listening to my voice, please go subscribe to the YouTube channel. I would truly, truly appreciate it. In today's show, talk about one of the most entertaining wins of the season. I don't know if it was Blazers' best win of the season, but it was certainly one of the most fun. The Blazers beat the Brooklyn Nets. The heavily shorthanded Blazers beat most of the Brooklyn Nets in a game that I don't think many saw coming. It was a ton of fun. We'll talk all about that. And then I want to close the show a little bit talking about trade season. Uh, We're basically a month out from um, the trade deadline, and I think there's reason to believe that this will be a very active one, and we will talk about that to close the show. But let's spend some time enjoying a fun Blazers win because that's absolutely what this was. We'll do our fastest recap in the West and we'll talk about all we need to know about this game. Let's let's do what we do though. Fastest recap in the West. Blazers win 114-108. They led by 7 after 1, 33-26. Kind of rolling early. Um offense looked good, got some good energy plays, rolling early up 7, but the second quarter was all Brooklyn uh Nets outscored the Blazers 36-22 in the second quarter, took a seven-point lead into the break. Kyrie Irving had 14 points at halftime. That's right, Kyrie Irving playing in the second game. A road participant's playing in this one. Um, look good, kind of, you know, not not sort of vintage Kyrie, but a, a darn good basketball player. And the, and the Nets uh, led by seven at the break. But the Blazers came out of halftime with either their hair on fire or just playing better, whether you'd like a euphemism or a more straightforward approach. They outscored the Nets 32-19 in that third quarter behind nine points from Anthony Simons, nine points from Robert Covington, and took a six-point lead into the break. It was a back-and-forth game, and the Blazers would not relinquish that lead in the fourth quarter. Up 87-81 heading into the fourth Nets cut it down to four twice in the final three minutes, but the Blazers held on each time. First with a three from Covington, second with a floater from Anthony Simons, then finally, 54 seconds left, Blazers have the ball up five. They're inbounding from uh, from the baseline, and this is it. Like The Nets are going to have a real opportunity, um, and they're going to have Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving win if they have this real opportunity. It's going to get scary for a, Blazers, a shorthanded Blazers team is going to you know hold on for a special win. And what do they do? Benny Mack, Ben McLemore, cans a three to put the Blazers up eight and kind of ice this one. It was a huge shot, uh, arena going nuts. Um, and the Blazers hold on to win 114-108 thanks to that Benny Mack shot. And more, that's your fastest recap in the West. Anthony Simon led the Blazers with 23 points and a career-high 11 assists. Robert Covington added 21 points, hit five three-pointers, three steals, three blocks to go with four rebounds. Nazir Little, 13 points and five boards. Nurk, 14 points, eight rebounds, three assists. Blazers got some nice play off the bench. CJ LB finished with nine points and five rebounds. I thought Dennis Smith Jr. had a really nice night off the bench with six and three dimes. Trenton Watford, um, one memorable play, knocking the ball out of Kevin Durant's hands and a bunch of just like little hustle stuff. Didn't more, more had to be there, but four points, six boards and a block for Trenton Watford in 14 minutes off the bench. Kevin Durant had 28 on the other side to go with 10 boards, five assists, two steals. Um, Kevin Durant is... It's good, uh, worth the price of admission for uh, for those of you who braved braved the uh, trip to Moda Center. Kyrie Irving, 22 points, but just eight in the second half for that 14-point first half. Uh, he, he, 
he uh, was hot early, but didn't really have it down the stretch. Cam Thomas came off the bench, 21 points uh, for the Nets. And Dayron Sharp, where'd he go to college? Look him up, 14.7 boards for Dayron. You knew he was making the recap. Shout out to Tar Heel Legends. Uh, just a straight up great win. Like... <laughs> We'll talk a lot about it, but like my first thoughts is just like a straight up great win. One of the most entertaining, unlikely games um, that you could you could possibly see coming. A Blazer start Ant, Ben McLemore, Nas, Rocco, and Nurk. That's no CJ, no Norm, no Damian Lord, who's uh, who's who's off getting his 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 abs checked out. No Larry Nance Jr. in this one. Uh, you know the bench is basically Trendon Watford, Dennis Smith Jr., Cody Zeller, and and uh, and CJ Ellaby. Like. That team just beat Kevin Durant and, and Kyrie Irving. Super, super, super fun. Um, I want to talk all about uh, Amphrey Simons in the second segment because this game for me was the biggest sort of growth that he's had. Like this was the game um, that kind of made you, made me say like, oh, you know, there's th- like, this is a dude who's really figuring it out because he didn't shoot well. Um, and we'll talk about more of that. And I thought Chauncey Billups had uh, had an interesting note he shared with reporters in his post game uh, presser. But uh, like, I, what I came away from this game thinking was, um, you know, there's you know, let's go Blazers chance in the closing minutes of this one, and the, and an arena excited, and um, you know, uh, it's in a season where I think the preference of many fans has shifted and the preference would be just a go ahead and lose because who cares um and i don't even think that's like a i think that's fair like (laughs) i think i think it's like a reasonable way um to maybe think about this team is that losses and and development are more are more um more valuable than wins like the blazers now won three of their last five three and two in their last five games wins over you know a hawks team that's scuffling a, a, a king's team that's just straight up bad and then this nets team so it's not like they're not world beaters right and they've um and even that king game on sunday night where they didn't look particularly good in that first half um but like a win's a win. They've won two in a row, but this one was came out of nowhere and was joyful. Um, and I think there's a whole sort of like tank commander squad or whatever you want to call it, like folks who who are who are just sort of like pro losing. Um, and I, I, why I maybe against that a little bit, or at least in the moment, like I understand it as a development tactic. I'm not anti tanking. I'd like I get it. Like yes, the Blazers would be better off with like the fourth pick in the draft or whatever third pick in the draft if the if otherwise then otherwise like then giving the draft away and finishing eighth like uh, duh but um the the joyful moment like to see these guys have so much fun to see robert covington swear on the broadcast uh when in post-game interview with brooke olsendam when brooke asked uh roko like what'd you say at the end of the game and he said great f and win and then just for good measure in case brooke didn't hear it he said it again on the on live tv great f and win he drops two f-bombs you're not gotten you're not getting f bombs you're not getting the excitement with a loss um you know players don't tank so it's not like roko is gonna turn around but like um i think there's something to be said for appreciating the there'll be some losses down the line you can believe it um you know uh, whatever they have 16 wins i guess 66 losses still certainly um certainly out there still to be had but like there's joy to be joy to be found in this game. There's really, there's like, if, if you're rooting for losses to me in, in, in the sort of very narrow acute moments of 
of a Monday evening in the motor center, a Monday evening on your couch or wherever you might've watched it, like to find joy in this team winning this game, you have to be able to find it. You have to be able to find it. Cause it was fun. Like this was legit- legitimately, um, if not their best one of the season, certainly in their most fun. Like I still think the win over the Phoenix early in the year and the win over the bulls, um, a little bit later on are like better wins than this, that you, know, the, the Nets second night of a back-to-back flew all the way across the country, the longest back-to-back road trip in the history of the sport. Um, like, yeah, it's a lot going on. Right. But, um, <laughs> but, but like this was joyous to see Ant and see Trenton Watford and Dennis Smith and Rocco and Nurk and Nas and, and Benny Mack and Ben McLemore, like that crew beat this team. That's like, was without LaMarcus Aldridge and without, uh, you know, just, without Joe Harris for the whole season, without James Harden, who who was a, like a day of scratch, who was expected to play this game in day of scratch. Like, cer- certainly, it's not the whole Nets team, but this is most of the damn Nets team. And the Blazers took it to them, and then when they were down in the... In the uh, heading into halftime, they didn't, you know, they didn't let go of the rope. They found a way to, to, you know, have a good third quarter and put themselves in control. And they didn't, they didn't give up the lead in the fourth quarter, made shots when they needed to. Rocco hit a big one. Uh, you know, Ant hit a, hit a nice little runner and, and then Ben McLemore hit the big one and you hold on and win. Like, um, there's, there'll be plenty of time for them to lose and plenty of time for them to chase draft picks. But like tonight, tonight, or if you're listening to this tomorrow morning, dear listener, um, dear Blazer fan, like hold on to this joy. This was a fun game and there's nothing wrong with having fun. So I, I like implore you to say like, to look at this game and not say like, oh man, there goes Chet Holmgren or whatever. Oh no, there's Paolo Banquero. He's gone. He's gone. Uh, there's Jamari, uh, Jamari Smith. Like, nah, screw it. Enjoy this one. Enjoy for what it was. A fun game and one of the most entertaining games of the Blazers season. Um, it's okay just to, it's it's not okay. It's more than okay. I'm not even like, I'm not scolding. I'm saying, please, please, I'm asking you, please enjoy this one because it was a ton of fun. It's worth enjoying it because it was a ton of fun. Like this was an entertaining game. But there was some moments from this game I want to talk about in the second segment. Um, something Chauncey Billups mentioned to open his presser and then just the growth of Anthony Simons. 23 points and 11, a career-high 11 assists. Uh, this was a really, this was a big game for Ant, a special game for Ant. Um, and we'll talk about that in the second segment. Before we get there, though, let me tell you about betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, whatever that sports action is. You want to bet the Blazers to win a big upset? You could have won a whole bunch of money by going to betonline.ag and betting them just straight up money line to beat the Nets. Uh, prior to the game, BetOnline had them as eight and a half point uh, dogs, and the Blazers ended up not only covering, but rolling, baby. Yeah, rolling to a six point win. I said it. Um, it's a place to make money. More lines, more props on any on any than any other spot you're gonna find. It's betonline.ag, not just basketball, football, soccer, anything you want, or even your favorite Vegas casino game. So go over there right now. Head over to that website, betonline.ag, put in the promo code locked on. You'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's a 50% welcome bonus when you use the promo code locked on at betonline.ag. That's betonline where the game starts. All right. Blazers beat the Nets in one of the most entertaining games of uh, of the year. Let me take you a little bit inside. Um, I had a whole different show. <laughs> I thought the Blazers were going to get smoked a little. I thought they might get um, walloped, mollywopped, steamrolled, whatever you call it. Or just straight up beat. Just straight up beat by a team that's better than they are. Um, you know, the... the the Nets came to this one 14-3 on the road. Like they're and you know, and they have Kyrie Irving now. It's like they're this is a good, very good basketball team, a team that could very well win the NBA championship. 
I'm not going to pick them. I'm just going to tell you that right now. But like a team that very well could win the NBA championship, faux show. Um, and the, and the Blazers win and they kind of, I had a different, I had a different plan. <laughs> I had a different plan heading into the night and they surprised me. So I'm, I'm thankful too. Um, we'll maybe punt a little bit of that plan for later in the week. We're still going to talk about it, but, uh, this wasn't, I, this middle segment wasn't supposed to be about Anthony Simons. You know what Anthony Simons did? He made sure it was. Um, Anthony Simons went two for 11 from three tonight. One of those was a late shot clock heave. One of them was an end of quarter heave. So two of nine from three in like non-heaves, right? Shout out to Ben Falk. Um, that's not a good shooting night. Hell, three of nine is not a particularly good shooting night for Ant. Um, but for my money, since Norman Powell has been out, and when it's been the Anthony Simon show as the guy, as the guy who's going to to be the number one option, he was one A with Norm when Norm was here. But like without Norm, it's Ant, and it's and he has to get everybody going. This was the this was the most impressive game that I have watched Ant play during the stretch as the guy, which quite frankly makes it the most impressive game I've ever watched him play. Period. Period. This was the most impressive performance of Anthony Simons I've ever watched, I've ever seen from him. A week ago, he had 43 points against the Atlanta Hawks, and I'm telling you right now, tonight was better. 10 of 24 and 23 points. The box score is not going to do it to you. Like, you're just not going to see it. You had to, this was a game where you had to, you know, you had to watch him, you had to watch him go through it because the box score scout isn't going to give you the real truth. Um, I was preaching that on yesterday's show is that like, I want to see the little stuff from Ant and the little stuff was absolutely here. Got himself into the paint, just got, got into the paint and, and was a menace. Got his in-between game going, his little floaters and pull-ups were going, his mid-range game was on. Um, didn't get to the rim very much. Had one absurd finish in the first half where he kind of jumped up and got caught, spun around, threw it over his head, and won as he kind of like 360'd but shot it in the middle of the 180. Incredible finish. Like, um, just, I mean, this was, he was really special. And, and to be this good when he wasn't shooting well is special. And that's not even to mention the 11 assists, a career high. Assists are kind of a, a little bit misleading when it comes to passing because I thought Nurk had a really good passing game. Uh, this one, he only had three assists. Like, and he had some really good passes early in the game that kind of out of the post, um, which, you know, they were better passes, but they don't, they didn't lead to anything in the box score. But they're like good, smart cross cross-court reads from from Nurk like um so it's not always a great re great judge but like this was a great judge for Ant I thought he made good decisions I thought he got into the paint and found guys on the weak side or just simple you get into the paint a help comes kicked to, to Nazir Little with his feet set and, his, and Nas hits it um Nas with his feet set a pretty good shooter Nas without his feet set a, a truly bad one um but it's like Ant getting those advantages getting into the paint and all those things like this was the most impressive game I've ever seen him play as a pro um so hats off to Ant an interesting thing though in his post-game press conference John C. Phillips uh, mentioned that uh when early in the season, when Ant, when he was trying to tell Ant to, um, you know, how to make an adjustment, Ant might not see it in game. I thought it was pretty interesting. And they would have to watch it together on film the next day. And then he'd be able to say, okay, you see what I'm saying here? This is what it is. And now that Ant is playing so much and he has such a good feel um, for what the defenses are going to do, they can have a conversation right away and kind of fix it mid-game, fix it mid-stream. And he could say like, hey, here's 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 the thing you want to do. And Anthony Simons mentioned that he basically, starting with the game against the Heat, so he had 43 against the Hawks, got everyone's attention. Starting with that game, he's gotten just a ton of defensive attention uh, over the last four games. And 
some of that defensive attention has allowed him to be a little bit, um, you know, to be, to like feel and get it, get a sense for how defenses are going to guard him and then how they're going to guard his counters and then how they're going to counter his counters. And like, um, it's, you know, it's, it's the stuff that if you have the ball in your hands and you're running a kajillion pick and rolls and you're initiating the offense and you're on the head of the scouting board that you, you have an opportunity to get, like you have, you, you, you will get that feel and, and something that you can't duplicate because, um, being the top of the scouting report, being like you can't prepare for that without playing. This is this is you need the reps as the guy, as as the person they're trying to stop to sort of know what it's like to be the person they're trying to stop. Um, you know, watching tape of Dame is not the same as dragging out a pick and roll because you know that the help will come here and if help comes here, you know, it's like those those um, you can't make those reads. You can see those reads, but the feel for making those reads you can't get without without the opportunity that Ants had the last four games, and he talked about that. And I asked uh, Billups about kind of what um, what those reads are, right? Like, you know, he talked about it a little bit, and then this, I asked a follow-up, like, can you give us a sense of what those reads are? And um, the basically, uh, Billups gave an, uh, uh, an example of, like, early in the season, uh, Simons was having a, a trouble kind of making that little pocket pass. So when he comes off the pick and roll and the big is up and there's that little gap, the pocket between uh, where the big rolls into, where like Nurk rolls into on a pick and roll, that uh, Ant was having trouble making that pass. The, the big, the the defender defending the pick and roll's hand was was often um, in the way and, and Ant was just like throwing, was turning the ball over, not making that read. And what Chauncey was telling him was like, hey, you got to read his hand, read the big's hand, because he's going to try to be in the passing lanes. And if he's high, you got to you got to go low quickly. And if he's low, you got to fake you got to fake low to keep him low, and then go high. Like you got to make that read. But it's not like you can stop. Like that's an instantaneous feel thing. And on tape, Ant was able to see it. But now that he's playing all the time, that read is natural. And Chauncey can say, hey, he's doing this, and they can make it quickly. Ant says that he would ask Chauncey questions like, hey, if a big is like sagging off, but he's not dropped all the way back, what's a move I can do to kind of like freeze him and get my jumper off? And they could talk about those type of things. And now he's getting an opportunity to see that six, eight, 12 times in a game and really to really take steps forward. And I think we've really seen it. Um, and on a night, you know, he hit seven threes against the Kings, right? Like, 31 points and hit seven threes and it's like damn this dude is good and i thought he was better tonight when he was two of 11 from deep uh because he the the shot wasn't going the three-point shot which is such a huge part of his arsenal wasn't going and he was still the blazers best offensive player by a mile like um this was a great ant game i i, I was i came away really impressed one other thing from chauncey's presser i just want to mention um he opened his press conference by saying, you know, it's like the question's like, what would you like about the game tonight? And he says, like, you know, I just love the way we fought. And he's kind of going into kind of just like, hey, we played hard and it was the guys played great type of answer. And he somewhere in that that answer, he started talking about um, player development and he gave specific shout out to Adnisha Curry uh, and Mark Tyndale, who are Mark uh, Mark. Tyndall is, I believe he's like a video guy for my money. He's an assistant coach. <laughs> like, um, he's not listed as an assistant coach, but he sits behind the bench and he works out with guys before games. Like to me, that's an assistant coach. Maybe he's technically a, a, a scouting department type of person, but he's one of Billups' assistants and Anisha Curry is, is an assistant coach. Um, and, and specifically mentioned Tyndall and coach Tyndall and, and coach Curry about their development or their work with CJ Ellaby and their work with Trenton Watford and the grind that they put in to kind of get those guys ready. And and, you know, Ellaby um, hit one big three in the second half and had a great little lefty floater that he put up over Kevin uh, Kevin Durant, which will be, um, I'm sure, something he remembers for a long time. And Trenton Watford had one play out on the wing where he, where he
where he harassed Kevin Durant above the three-point line, knocked the ball out of Durant's hands and off him out of bounds for a turnover. Um, those are like little moments that I remember because, um, you know, I'm, I'm a Trenton Watford fan and I'm watching him closely, but like Billups with sort of unprompted credited his assistants, credited those guys and talked about sort of um, the satisfaction of seeing guys grind and seeing them grind with his staff and then have contributions. Um, and, and I don't think there's like, there's nothing big here, but what I want to mention is like, I really like when, when coaches do that. I really like when coaches single out their assistants. Um, assistant coaches don't get a lot of shine. I thought it was something that Terry Stotts almost never did. And I, I, it frustrated me a little bit because there were times when he would say, we as a staff did a good job or I like, I appreciate my staff. And it was a great time to, to say that person's name, to say Anisha Curry, to say Mark Tyndall, to say like these specific people helped, um, because there's, you know, it's a lot that goes into player development stuff and making young guys in the basketball team who don't play very often better um, behind the scenes. So I thought it was cool of Billups to do that. So I, I just wanted to note that here. Uh, I mentioned it on my Twitter account, but I wanted to mention it in, in the space because um, this podcast is better than my Twitter account uh, and and in many ways more important, significantly more important to me. Um, so I wanted to make sure I made that note here. In, in the third segment, um, I want to shift gears a bunch, like the hard right turn. Blazers win this game, fun game, enjoyable, blah, blah, blah. But I want to shift a little bit. I think there's going to be a bunch of trades at the trade deadline. We're a month out. Um, let's talk about why there's going to be a bunch of trades at the trade deadline. This we'll do to close the show. So join me there in the third segment. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listen to Locked on Blazers. Talk about, talk about the most fun win of the season. Talk about Ant's excellence. Now I want to talk about trade deadline. It's coming up February 10th. I'm recording this in the evening of January 10th after the Blazers game. Um, There's reason to believe that it's going to be a very active trade deadline. This was first pointed out to me. um, Quite frankly, it was first pointed out to me if I'm really giving credit where credit is due by listener Dr. J, who like three months ago, maybe longer, sent me a note saying that, hey, there's not a lot of teams have cap space this summer, Mike. And because there's not a lot of teams have cap space, maybe there'll be, um, you know, an active trade market and maybe Yusuf Nurkic will garner a bunch of trade interest because not a lot of teams can afford to pay him this summer if he hits the open market because no one's going to have the cap space to do so, blah, 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 blah. You nailed it, Dr. J. And in fact, this week, earlier this week, I saw Keith Smith, who writes for Yahoo Sports and Celtics blog and a bunch of other places and a CBA expert and somebody who's super plugged in. Uh, Keith Smith mentioned that on his Twitter feed that he had talked to a couple people around the league who thought maybe because of a weak uh, free agent crop and a very few teams with cap space that it could be that people around the league were speculating it could be an active trade market because one you know, teams aren't going to have cap space this summer. And two, there's no reason to try to get cap space this summer because it's kind of a weak free agent crop. So I want to dig into the specifics of that and why I think that could be beneficial for the Blazers real quick to close the show. So there's only going to be, there's only right now, as we sit here today in January, four teams projected to have cap space this summer. That means 26 teams will operate as over the cap teams. That means there's just not a lot of money out there to be had for free agents. Um, It's most teams offering, you know, mid-level exceptions and taxpayer mid-level exceptions, et cetera, et cetera. Like there's just, there's, um, you know, guys, there's not, there aren't max cap slots and all that. There's not a lot of max guys either on this, on, on the, um, going to hit the, hit the open market this summer. But right as of, as of right now, only the Detroit Pistons, Orlando Magic, San Antonio Spurs and Memphis Grizzlies are projected to have any amount of cap space this summer. Just four teams in the league. Um, the Pistons are, you know, in Orlando are very unlikely to sign big name free agents. They're in a rebuild. They're going to take, you know, 
incremental steps. San Antonio, very unlikely to sign a big name free agent because that's not what they've basically ever done, um, except one time when they signed Richard Jefferson in 2005 or whenever that was, 2007. Um, it's just not going to, it's, it's, it's not going to happen. Memphis, I don't know. They're really good. Maybe they, maybe they do some, uh, spend some big money, but maybe they spend that money to, um, you know, keep their books clean because they know they got to going to have to pay John Morant a whole bunch of money and looks like I have to pay Desmond Bain a whole bunch of money too because he's bowling. Um, and, but like, regardless, you know, there's four teams with cap space and three of them are very unlikely to be players in free agency. And that's, that'll certainly play into the sort of what happens here in the next couple of weeks. Um, the free agent class, like our other teams going to position themselves, try to shed salary, maybe, you know, send some, send some big contracts over to Detroit and Orlando and San Antonio and, and, and position themselves. I don't think so. The free agent class is pretty bad. Um, none of these players are bad. It's just like the biggest name on the free agent class is probably, uh, Kyrie Irving and Zach Levine. Kyrie Irving had, um, a very confusing free agent saga. Like I was going to say, I don't think he's going to make a bunch of money. He might, he's very, very good. Um, but obviously his vaccination, vaccination status is like a part-time player this year. It's very, you know, you wouldn't want to, he wouldn't garner a max contract. Um, if the rules remain the same that they are in the municipality of specifically New York city, like the nets can't give him a giant deal if he's, if he can't play there. Um, and that's like a legal thing for, the city of New York, not really, um, not certainly not specific to the Nets or the NBA. Uh, you know, Zach Levine is very likely to resign with Chicago. So Brad Beal could opt out and become a free agent. Uh, and then it's like Jonas Valanciunas, Montrez Harrell, Kyle Anderson, DJ Warren, Nurk, Robert Covington, like they're up there and like sort of like more appealing free agents. It's just, it's not a strong class. So, um, you know, to, to sort of Keith Smith's logic and Dr. J's logic. Shout out to Dr. J. That's why you send me an email because I will read them and I will remember them. And if you, if I can't work it into the mailbag, I might just, I might just give you a shout out some months later, Dr. J, if you're listening, appreciate you. Um, so I think this bodes well for the Blazers for a couple different reasons. One, frothy trade market. That means they're going to have some suitors for who they're trying to trade. And you know, the Blazers won three of five, two in a row. This game was awesome, but it doesn't change the long-term outlook. And so I was like, um, enjoy the game because like, if you're in favor of tanking, they're going to lose a whole bunch in the near future. Like, you don't, don't worry y'all. It's a talent league. They're not going to, they're like it, the the, sort of the long-term and short-term outlook just haven't dramatically changed. Um, so I, I think this is good news for him. And it's good news for a variety of reasons. One, more activity means it might allow... It, other teams are going to be willing to trade because the best way for them to acquire talent and move talent is going to be through the trade market. If nobody has cap space and, and um, you know... It, Nobody has cap space no one has, and no one has reason to acquire cap space. The way that you're going to acquire talent, the way you're going to move talent around is going to be through trades. It's going to be through trades at the trade deadline and then around the draft. Like that seems to be, um, for me, that seems to be the direction that the sort of the next few months are headed. But particularly as February 10th trade deadline approaches, teams are, you know, I think it's very likely it'll be an, a very active trade deadline, specifically because of the weak free agent class and the lack of cap space projected this summer. Um, and potentially teams are going to position themselves for let's take on a little bit of money in the summer of 2023, then we'll be ready for it. Um, GMs are thinking longer term than podcasters. And But I will say that many fans, uh, there's a lot of information publicly available. There are plenty of you out there, I'm sure, in Blazerland who are thinking about the summer of 2023 because that's the nature of fans. I love it. Um, 
But I think that means there'll be a market for Yusuf Nurkic, who is, you know, a big old strong center with some passing chops who can who can score a little bit in the post. Struggles to finish, um, is not a super quick lateral defender, but like is an above average starter at his position. The Charlotte Hornets would ha- be a massive upgrade for them to acquire Yusuf Nurkic. Apologies to, to my man, Mace in your face, Mason Plumley. But like, you know, I think uh, th- I think there are, I think there could be a market for Nurk because like starting quality player who you can get. And if you get, you have the right, he'll be a restricted free agent. You means you have the right to pay him and you can go over the salary cap to do so. So um, the right to pay Nurk in a, in a summer, as Dr. J pointed out with very little cap space and, and a weak free agent class, the right to pay Nurk is actually more appealing to teams. So even if he's not going to help now, if, if a team looks like, Hey, this is part of our future. Nurk is really appealing. Same, same kind of deal with Robert Covington. Um, he's been really good as of late. Um, he's like, he's kind of like putting it together. He's had a couple, he's had a couple solid, um, solid games in a row. Like, I don't think like three good games in a row, like drastically changes, um, Covington's trade value, but I think he was really good, like legitimately very good last year, um, was really down to begin this year. And then he's kind of like putting it together the last couple games. You know, he's had, he had 17 that loss against Cleveland and then 21 tonight. Um, he's like, he's, he's, you know, hitting multiple three pointers. He's, um, he's, he's had three blocks and three steals in back-to-back games. Like again, like the, the, the like near term doesn't really like change his trade value, but like he's proving he can still do it to some extent. Um, and I think that's worth like noting. Right. And I think the same thing, the right to pay Robert Covington, is he a role player who you could see, um, see some value in, and you want to make sure because you don't have cap space that you have him on your books at the trade deadline. So then in the summer you can trade for him. I think there's value there. Um, I think conceivably there could be value for, uh, CJ McCollum, although, he's got more money and longer, longer years on his contract. But if other teams don't have a way to move big contracts, there could be some real activity at the trade deadline. There's reason to believe that it's very active and very active helps the Blazers, a team that needs to be active and needs to improve this roster, or at least needs to move some parts around and think, um, you know, think about next year. Uh, because the Blazers plan is still to be good with Damian Lillard over the next, you know, two, three seasons. Um, and so being able to get value back for Nurk and Rocco in a market that is maybe going to be, um, active, I was going to use frothy again, but we'll drop that one. It's like an active trade market, a, a, a busy trade market. Like that's, that has value for the Blazers. So there's reason to be optimistic. Um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of surprised that things haven't totally picked up in Blazer land, but, um, trade wise, but I, I still think a trade for Rocco and trade for Nurk could like literally happen any, I mean, certainly could happen anytime in the next month. Cause that's when the trade deadline is, but like soon, um, I, uh, you know, I, I, I think, and I think there's reason to believe based on what I've laid out here in this to close the show is that like this, this, there other teams could be active because it makes more sense for most teams around the league. If they're trying to improve their rosters to be active in the trade market, there's incentive for nearly every team in the league to get active, make moves. And, and because this is the way you're going to upgrade and change your roster over the coming months, just because of lack of cap space, lack of appealing free agents and et cetera, et cetera. That's going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow's show is going to be a mailbag show. Um, I'm recorded on, on Tuesday evening, January 11th. So if you're listening to this 
before 8 p.m. on on, on Pacific time, January 11th. Shoot me an email, lockedonbleacherspot.gmail.com or tweet at me at Mike G. Rich. I'll also send out a tweet. So if you're following me on Twitter, if you just check my Twitter feed, uh, you'll see me send out a tweet uh, at Mike G. Rich and I'll ask for questions. You can respond there. We answer listeners, submit questions all episode long. We do it each week. The mailbag's a ton of fun. So if you want to get involved, that's how you do it. Do me a favor. Tell your friends about this podcast. Just tell them they can get it wherever they already get podcasts and we will be right there waiting for them. We're also on YouTube. If you're listening this deep in the episode, go subscribe to the YouTube channel. I'd appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.